Welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first episode, welcome. If you are part of the community here at Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black, welcome back. I'm so excited to have each of you continue to listen to the podcast each and every episode. If you missed out on last week's episode, I had the privilege of sitting down to chat with Martine, who is a single mother by choice. And when I say single mother by choice, she actually found a way to conceive on her own. So If for some reason you are listening to the podcast and you're single um, and you find yourself in your 30s and you're like, well, I haven't found Mr. Right yet and, you know, your little clock is ticking, go check that episode out. Um, It was really interesting and eye-opening for me. I didn't know that you could do a lot of the things that Martine shared and it was really good and informative. So again, go check that out if you are interested. We actually kicked off the Single and Pregnant series with that episode. And this week, we are going to be hearing from Moniqua. And Moniqua is actually another single mother by choice, but not in the same sense. So she actually had got pregnant normally or the normal way I should say and her boyfriend at the time decided that he did not want her to have that baby and she will talk about her story and how she decided that she was going to keep her child and go through with the pregnancy alone so stay tuned before we get into the episode I just want to take a moment to let you know that you can still leave a review if you haven't already taken the time to do so. You can also rate the podcast and share it. So go ahead and tell another mom friend or family member who you think may benefit from the podcast. And without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hi, Monique. Welcome to Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. How are you today? I'm good. I'm doing really good. Awesome. I'm so excited about having you on to just sit down and chat. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, as you said, I'm Monique. I am, first and foremost, I am an author. I've been a published author since 2012. Woohoo! Uh, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I am also a teacher. I teach fourth grade writing as of right now, but I'll be changing to a new position next year. This is my second year of teaching, actually. I have been vegan almost five years now. Wow. So that's, yeah. Kudos. Kudos <laughs> Yes. To most people, that's an accomplishment, but I'm just like, hey, it, it is. is what it is. It takes discipline, right? Like, in the um, beginning. Well, it depends on your reason. I had a lot of health issues at that okay. time. And so, for me, that was the best 
option other than taking medication. Mm-hmm. So I was like, either I do this or I take medication for the rest of my life. And right. I don't believe in medication. So I was like, well, then I'll just change my whole lifestyle. Yes, it's to do this holistic approach. Yes. <laughs> totally get it. So I wanted to talk to you today about being single and pregnant. Like, I feel like a lot of people in the Black community don't really talk about this. And I know that you have a blog and I've read like several of your articles and then I've watched some of your videos. Um, and I really relate to a lot of the things that um, you talk about now that you're going through that I went through when I was pregnant. I really uh, wanted to know how you felt like initially. So I, re- I believe now, correct me if I'm wrong, you were going to go to China before yes. you before you actually found out. And so you were basically just all set. You just needed to um, purchase your ticket and then you ended up finding out you were pregnant so how did that feel like what was that like for you um when I found out I kind of knew before I even took both pregnancy tests because I was just like my cycle is very regular like mm-hmm. it does not come late it does not come early so when I it was a day late and I was like okay I I assumed I was pregnant I kind of felt like I was but even though I didn't have any symptoms. So when I took the first test, I was like, okay, yeah, right, whatever. I did the second test and I was like, shit. And I was devastated. I really was because the program that I was with, the first time I was supposed to go, I backed out. So they gave me a second chance. And I had gone through the whole process going to the Chinese embassy to get like my visa paperwork and stuff. And the only thing I was waiting on was for the program to purchase my ticket. And so when I found I was pregnant, I was like, well, I mean, I could still go. I mean, they have a daycare, a childcare program there, but I didn't have any children and I didn't have anybody in China who would help me. You know, I didn't want to just, you know, give my child to some random people, especially in a country where, you know, we're not too, we're not everybody's favorite. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to just leave my child with somebody. So I was like, well, I'll just stay here. And so once I told my child's father, you know, he was not too thrilled either because he had stuff going on that he was trying to do. So that kind of set his plans back as well. So he wanted me to get an abortion. And I, at first, kind of entertained the idea. And I was like, okay, if I get an abortion, I could still go to China. But once I got to the clinic, so you have to have two appointments. The first one, you talk to the counselor. And the second one, I actually do the procedure. I only went to the first appointment. And once I got there, I was like, okay. You know, sitting in the waiting area, I was like, this is fine. But once you get back, when they call you back, when you sit with all the other ladies who are getting an abortion, that's when things kind of, you know, were put into perspective. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I was listening to all these conversations from these different women about how, you know, it's not that bad. After a while, you get used to it. I'm just like, well, wait a minute. How many have you had? You know, and the woman next to me, this was like her seventh abortion with her boyfriend. I was just like, okay, no. I, at that point, even after talking to 
the counselor and everything, I was like, I'm not, I can't do this. Like, no. And the thing is, I never believed in abortion unless, one, you were raped, or two, it could be like a life or death situation for you or the child. Mm-hmm. Yes. For health issues. So I was like, no, I knew the, you know, consequences of my actions, so I'm just going to deal with it. Wow. Okay. So I'll share a little bit of my story that's very similar to yours in that now I was in Mississippi at the time. So Mississippi is like, I don't know. It's just like really behind in in a lot of things. And it's, I don't know. I, I think like racism kind of still exists, which it may do a little bit, but um oh it does I lived there for a year my senior year of high school I lived oh wow sister, so yeah, yeah so yeah <laughs> it's crazy and it's like um and I don't know if you deal with this but were there protesters outside <laughs> like when you went no okay so in Mississippi there are there are protesters and so like everybody knows everybody so everybody knows your car and everything and so they say like they wanted to be discreet but really it's not really discreet okay so that's number one so like I don't know I was already like super ashamed of even going because like you said I didn't think I believed in it because Mm -hmm. like one I'm like okay like unless you got raped like you said or unless it's like a life or death like health issue right so I'm right okay why am I even going here but I don't know like I was in this very dark place because like you said you were going to China well I had dreams of going to Miami and living by the beach and like this whole life I had planned out in my head right because I was an undergrad and um it was like my junior year and so I was like, I cannot do this. Like, I just can't. Like, I'm already d- taking care of myself alone. I don't have anyone else to depend on. And so if I get this child, like, how am I going to take care of her or him, you know? So anyways, um, now I have been in denial um, about being pregnant. So by the time I actually went to the abortion clinic, I was probably like over a month. So at this point, I probably had a baby, right? Uh, I can't remember mm-hmm. the exact stages. But I'm still going up here because I just need to really experience this to figure out whether it's something that I want to do. So I go in and like you said, it's like people in there. Some people are like crying and some people are just like talking about it. And I don't know, it's just a really weird place. And so you like you sign in and then um, you have to like meet with the counselor, like you said. So they... Mm -hmm. um, no, actually, I think you got to get your ultrasound first. So once that, no, 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 maybe it's the counselor. I can't remember. One of them is first. I think it was the ultrasound first because I remember getting mine and they couldn't find anything because I, I was like a week pregnant. So. Okay, okay. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. You go and you, um, you know, you, they take you in this room. And so for me, like since I was over like a month, I think they were like, they mm-hmm. couldn't do it at their clinic, but I could still talk to someone and they would um, recommend me to another clinic. So basically, I think I would have had to drive to like Memphis or something. So at oh. this point, I have to go to another waiting room by the procedure room, I'm guessing. Because like, it's like, mm-hmm. no, I can actually hear somebody like crying. So I'm guessing they're going through the procedure. So then yes. it's like a group of us too, right? So they take you in groups. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's crazy. So, okay. So while we're sitting there, you know, people are getting their procedures done. And it just seems like it's out in the open. 
And it's like mm-hmm. so weird. And so mm-hmm. you go back, you go to the counselor, and before she talks to you, you have to watch this video. Okay, I was done after the video. I was like, okay, you know what? I don't know what I was thinking, but this is not for me. Like, this is not it. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. But yeah, so I just really wanted to share that because I was like, you know, I think a lot of people in the Black community go through this. And maybe not even the Black community. Maybe it's just a thing that, you know, we go through as women, I, or I guess like young women, like millennial women. And one thing that really stuck out to me in that blog post is that you said women actually do this to fix what they consider a mistake when it's not a mistake. It's just unplanned. Like there were preventative right. that we could have used, but we chose not to use them. So it's like, this is not, this is something that you did. So why are you right. here trying to just you know, like, um, fix this. Like, no. Right. Like, basically, control or delete, it doesn't work like that. Exactly. And then, not only that, but it's like the long-term effects, right? I hear people talk mm-hmm. about all the time, like, about these issues they have after having those abortions, and it's like, okay, is it really worth it, you know? And I just wonder, you said that girl has had seven, like, I wonder, like, will she ever be able to have kids if she's been through so many abortions, you know? That's what I think about, too, and it's just, like, for her to have gone through so many, I'm just like, well, at what point do you think that you're going to start preventing it? You know, I mean, just at this point, it's not a mistake if you keep doing it over and over and over. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't a mistake the first time because you didn't do anything to try to prevent it. And that was one of the things that I talked about, I was thinking about as I was sitting there listening to these women, you know, talking about it, there was like you said, we were sitting right outside the procedure room, and I'm just like, you know, they're taking the women out the back of the building because they don't bring them back to the front. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess for privacy, privacy reasons or whatever. They say <laughs> privacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, no, that this is not. I cried after I left there. I cried. I called my mother. You know, I was like, I can't do this. Like, just no, I can't. Wow, so you yeah, actually told like, your mother that you were considering it? Well, she knew the whole time. She knew, I, like, when I found out I was pregnant, I told her that same day that oh, I took wow. the test. Okay, see, we're different that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing is, I was going to see her that day anyway because we were going to take my grandmother to go do panning with a twist for her birthday. Oh, and wow. so once I got to my mom's house, uh, I just started crying. And she's like, why are you crying? And I thought I was pregnant. She was like really, really happy. But, wow. you know, she saw that I was upset about it. I mean, she supported my decision, you know, to have the abortion. But when I told her, you know, that I couldn't go through with it, she was, you know, fine with that too. Like she wants grandkids so bad. So yeah, she was overjoyed. But um, I was like, no, I can't, you know, go through that. And when I told my son's father, he was pissed. He was livid that I didn't go through with it. Wow. Yeah. So I think there was another article where you mentioned that, um, or a blog post, that he's now on board, right? So, like, he was livid in the beginning, but, you know, now during the process, like, he's somewhere along the line, he actually has changed his mind and, I guess, like, redirected his thinking. So now he's, like, in a better space. 
Yeah, after I told him that I was going to keep the baby, we didn't talk for about three or four months. Um, and then one day he just called me and he was like, you know, he apologized for the way he acted. And he was like, you know, he doesn't want me to do this by myself or whatever, because he doesn't have kids either. So he was like, you know, this is something that, you know, we both participated in. So it's not fair for you to do it by yourself. And so the thing is, I've known him for like, gosh, almost 20 years. Oh, wow. So like our families know each other. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know if his, if he talked to his parents, if his parents said something to him, you know, because his parents knew as well. So I don't know what made him change his mind, but now we're on good terms. Now we're back to how things were before. Like we're, we're really good friends. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. So you mentioned also that you guys were going to plan to co-parent. Now, have you put any um, plans in place for that? Or do you think it's something that you guys will just work out once um, the baby comes? Um, I think it's something right now that we'll just work out once the baby comes. Because the thing is, we all, when I say all, I mean like me, him, his parents, my parents, all live in the same vicinity. So it's really kind of like, it's not going to really be an issue because we live so close. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't see there being an issue or there being a problem. Okay, so that's sweet. You have a a lot of support. I know a lot of people, um, especially like single moms, most of the times they're in these situations where um, support is limited, you know, so that's mm-hmm. really good that you actually have, you know, your family and his family and they can all help out. I know for me, I was actually in college. And so I was in college like an hour and a half to two hours away from like my immediate family. And mm-hmm. um, since I was in denial about the whole thing, and then they weren't as like supportive, or I, I guess I should say they weren't supported, supportive at all. Um, in the beginning, um, my immediate family. Now I did have like my cousin and my aunt who um, they weren't happy about it, but they were just like, you know, it is what it is basically. And so they didn't mm-hmm. try to like talk down to me, but um, my grandma who raised me, um, she took me through it. Like, why did you do this? You're almost done with college. It was just, it was a mess. <laughs> it was like so depressing. I probably was going through like a depression, but I didn't even mm-hmm. know it. You know, I was just in a really dark place back then. But yeah, I, I just think that's really amazing that two families can come together to really um, help you out. Now, I also know that you were raised by a single mom for most of your life. So how do you mm-hmm. think that that has impacted your life and then the changes that you will make as a mom, um, knowing what you went through and what your mom went through and all of that? Well, the difference between when my mom was a single parent, for one, she had me when she was 21. Okay. That's how old I was when I had my daughter. But she was also in the military, and she was oh, married. Wow. wow. Okay. So she kind of had everything together. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. and then they got divorced. So she had me for a while, and at that time, uh, we were living in Georgia. That's where I was born. Okay. And then she met my brother's dad. They got married, and 
we moved to England. While we lived in England, she and my brother's dad got divorced. And so she was single for quite some time while we lived over there. Then we moved to Texas. She was single here too. So it's, she was single for a while, but the thing is, I think she kind of always had somebody there, though she wouldn't always bring them around. Um, she had help from her mother. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother, my gra- she would fly my grandmother overseas to help watch us and whatnot. Um, but I think the main difference is I'm doing this from the beginning, not necessarily by myself, but, you know, I don't have, I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship. However, I am very well established on my own and I'm much older than she was. I'll right. be 30 this year. Okay, so yeah. Yeah. That, that oh, it's like I'm, it. yeah, so it's kind of the same situation, but not really. There's a lot of differences. So um, I know my mom worked a lot because she was in the military. That's another difference. I'm going to be a teacher while well, I am a teacher. So it works out to where I can always be home with my child every night. You know, we have a bunch of holidays and breaks, so I can spend as much time with my child, whereas she wasn't able to spend as much time with us. Like, when we moved to Texas, she not only was working full-time, but she was also going to school full-time. Wow. There was a lot that she was doing while trying to raise my brother and I that I'm not doing. So it's very different. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So, um, I know for me, like, I tried, I don't know, I have this thing in my mind, because my mom was a single mom as well, but she ended up having um, some mental illnesses to where Mm -hmm. um, she wasn't really able to, like, raise us on her own, so my grandma kind of stepped in and um, basically raised us for her, Mm -hmm. and... Um, I just knew, like, when I went off to college, I was just like, okay, I'm not even going to date anybody. I'm not going to talk to anyone because I don't want to be a single mom like my mom was because I won't say that we, like, really struggled, but it was more so of, like, we couldn't have, like, a lot of nice things like the white kids did at school, you know? Like, we went to a predominantly white school because, again, in Mississippi, um, there were probably, like, 10 black people in my graduating class. So, mm-hmm. you know, just to be able to, like, see them with the things that they had. And then um, their parents were always so active in, like, everything, like, award ceremony, games, like, whatever, you know. And so I didn't have that same, I guess, support. So I w- when I went to college, I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do the same thing that my mama did and screw up, right? But then I felt like, okay, well, when I got pregnant, I was kind of in a different situation because, you know, I went to school. Um, I actually have talked to this guy for some time. Like my mom, I think her and my dad hadn't been talking long before she actually had us. And then Mm -hmm. um, she was still staying with uh, my grandma and grandpa. Whereas, you know, I was in college because I think she was like 18, 17 or 18. So I was a little bit older, but it was still kind of like for me, like, okay, you're still in this position. And I wasn't a single mom, like, in the beginning, you know, like, my child's father was there, but 
I mean, we were still like super young. So it's like a lot of maturing that he had to do that wasn't happening. Um, just a lot of things that I don't know. I just felt like somebody should have really been guiding him because he was so young. I don't know. But it, even then, like he, he had a son before that in high school. So mm-hmm. that was a whole nother issue. But anyways, I tried to like hang in there for a couple of years. And then finally, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And so I guess like, I don't want to say I became a single mom by choice, but it's like sometimes, you know, how there are certain signs and we just like ignore them. And it was like one of mm-hmm. those situations to where um, I was like, okay, are you going to stay here and say you're staying for your child or are you going to like make a move and do this for the both of you? You know what I'm saying? And so um, that's what I ended up doing. But yeah (laughs) it's like I mean sometimes you have to do what's best for you and your child I mean you can't you know be like oh I'm doing this for my child when really it's not in the child's best interest right and I see like so many moms um that like regret staying right because they say quote unquote that it's for the child when Uh (laughs) I don't really think that that's the case like, because there are, like, so many resources out here now. Like, even if you aren't on your feet, that you could work to get on your feet, you know, and develop a plan and get out of there. Yeah, I don't think there are, like, any excuses nowadays. But I do know, like, back then, um, there were a lot of marriages and, you know, relationships because of the child. So. Right. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't really talk about that. But I just wanted to, you know, kind of bring that up. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, that's something that I see happen often, too, that, you know, when a child is conceived and the parents aren't together, they go ahead and get married because they're having a baby. That's not a reason to get married. That's not even a reason to get in a relationship. If anything, that's going to be damaging for not only the both of y'all, but the child, too. Come on, yes. And then another thing, um, now that you said that, but um just like I, I know recently I had a friend who um was in a relationship, like a previous relationship, and then him and his girlfriend stopped talking. Well, I guess they started like fooling around and now she's pregnant. So I'm like, Okay, are you guys back together? Or um like what's going on? And he says that they're talking and they're working on it. So I'm like, okay, is this for the child or is this just for the both of you? You know, like so again, it's still common today, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just I, I don't really understand it. I don't either. That's like I have I know someone who is married and they have two children and she's a stay at home mom. Now granted she she and her husband have a lot of issues and the only reason she's staying is because she's a stay-at-home mom and she you know doesn't really have money of her own you know oh, everything yes I even, though everything, too. <laughs> <laughs> even though everything is in her name he's paying all the bills so it's just like what are you going to do with your two kids you know the car is in her name but he's paying for it so you know what are you going to do the apartment is in her name, but he's paying for it. And, you know, it's just like, I feel like if, even if you are a stay-at-home mom or the man is making most of the money, you still need to have stuff on your own just in case right? things yeah. don't work out. Mm-hmm. You won't be just, you know, falling flat on your face. You'll be able to still stand. 
on your exactly. own with your two kids. Yes, definitely. And I feel like that's a lot of women have a lot of excuses with the why they stay in a relationship. It could be because their kids. It could be because they have nowhere else to go. They can't afford the child on their own. It's just like, well, you should have thought about that beforehand. Right. And it's like, even if you begin to see the signs, like, start doing something right. to prepare, you know? Exactly. There and just mm-hmm. say, okay, well, this is all I have, you know, I'm just going to be okay with this, you know? Even though you're going through hell, you're just sitting there mm-hmm. and taking it. And it's really tearing you up inside. Like, I know it's mentally draining. You're not even able to be there for your kids 100% because of the the issues that you guys have going on and you can't do anything about it or you say that you can't because you're making these excuses. And I think a little bit they know that these kids are watching. Even though they're young, they're watching. They can remember. They can hear you. They can see what's going on. And they're always going to remember that. And that can affect them in their adult life. Right. That, that is true. So I have one other thing that I wanted to um, ask you about because I know a lot of moms struggle with this, but you mentioned that you were doing pretty well with time management. So what systems do you have in place now and what systems do you plan to carry over? Or do you plan to just keep the same systems? Um, I plan to keep the same system. The thing is I've always been a planning type person. Mm-hmm. I have a planner. I have three planners actually. One for school, one that's my daily planner, and one that's my budget planner. So writing everything down helps. Another thing is um I meal prep. So every Sunday I will cook all my meals for the week. That saves me on time during the week. That saves me on time, you know, in the mornings when I'm getting up, I just put everything in my lunch kit and go. And so with those in place, I feel that's really going to help me once my child does come because it'll leave me time to do, you know, different things as far as like, like laundry. I do laundry once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to plan everything because if I don't, I'm going to be all over the place. Yes, I know for me, it was so easy when my daughter was a baby, but it got more challenging when she got older. Like, I used to meal prep, too. Um, Mm -hmm. I would do the same thing, kind of, but I would start on Saturday, and I would cook my meats on Saturday or vegetables. Anyways, whichever I did, um, I did one on Sunday and one on Saturday, and so I would Mm -hmm. be set for the week, but it's like, I don't know what happened. Like, when she got older, (laughs) it's like, she became more picky, and it's like, um, I have so many other things to do on the weekend, so it's, like, just committing, like, two or three hours to just, you know, prepping and stuff. I don't know. It's just, like, I don't know, and I'm not going to say that I'm making an excuse, you know, to not meal prep, but it's just something mm-hmm. that I just haven't really done in a while, and it, it does take up a lot of time, like, in the afternoons or evenings when I pick her up, then I have to come home and cook. You know, that is more time that I could be saving if I meal prep. So, yeah, that's really good, um, especially if you keep that up. All right. And the thing is, like, um, as far as when he does start school, my mom works from home. So she's a government worker. She works for the uh, Office of Veteran Affairs. So she helps veterans with their benefits. She works from home. 
and directly across the street from her neighborhood, her neighborhood has a school, which is more than likely the school he's going to be going to. So she's more than likely going to be giving him dinner at night, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm, since I'm working, or she'll be starting him on his homework or doing, you know, whatever it is that needs to be done before I take him home. Okay. So that helps out a lot. Yeah, that definitely helps. And see, I think um, a lot of people <clears> say it takes a village to raise a child. And I really believe that, um, except, you know, I've been here in Houston by myself for quite some time now. kind of wish um, that I had, like, family around because it's kind of tough. You know, like, you don't have anybody to, like, call mm-hmm. and say, hey, can you pick her up? She's sick. Or can you do this? Can you do that? So I guess that's another right. thing, too, where I can't really just try to compare, like, or not even compare, but just, like, okay, what do you do? You know, especially if, you know, you have that support, which is, like, really good. Trust me, there are a lot of women who are in your same exact position. How they make it work, I don't know, but they just do. Yes, I was like, I've been making it work this long, but, you know, I I feel like I've been just, I haven't been consistent in, like, a routine as far as, like, a night routine, but, Mm -hmm. um, however, I've been doing it, it's been working, because we're here, we're still here after two years, (laughs) so, you know. Well, I would say, you know, I guess make a routine to kind of fall into as far as, like, you know, in the evening. It would probably make things easier for you. Yeah, it would. And I kept, I keep telling myself, like, you need to, you know, like, develop a night routine and, like, get it together. But um, it's just something that I really have to get committed to and do it and keep doing it, be consistent. It's like mornings, I have those down. I get try to get up at, like, four for the most part, do what I have to mm-hmm. do. Then I wake her up at six. So I have, like, two hours to myself in the morning. So the mornings are fairly easy, but it's just, like, um nighttime because sometimes she's like act like she's starving when she comes home from school and so (laughs) i'll give her a snack and then try to do bath and homework and then if i have to cook you know sometimes i'll cook late and so it's just sometimes it can be all over the place at night but yeah i really need to work on that yeah that's one thing i've heard a lot of from different parents is the amount of homework that they have to help their kids with you know that takes up most of their night from when they pick their child up and get home it's like most of the night they're just doing homework so they have no time to do anything else yeah and I was just like well she's only, ridiculous. <laughs> she's only in pre-k she's only in pre-k I'm like yeah these three worksheets and I think the thing that takes the longest is like you know just trying to get her to do it because she's a like mm-hmm. well I used to say she was still a toddler but now that she's turned five it's like okay you know now she's kind of more independent but at first it was a struggle because she would say like, she's tired, and she doesn't want to do homework, and, you know, it was just getting that whole thing together, but now, it's just like, okay, I can do my homework, and she'll kind of do it. Now, someday, she'll ask me to help with the directions, or something like that, but for the most part, yeah. um, she can do it pretty much on her own. That's good. It's just, it was rough in the beginning. I'm sure that can be, that can really be tough. But I say having a routine, like a set routine or a strict routine mm-hmm. where you are allotted this amount of time for this, that, and the other will help. Yes. So that is on my list of things to do. <laughs> it's like develop this night routine. One that works. Those are pretty much all the questions that I had, but I did want to ask you before you go, um, for one piece of advice you have for another mom 
that may be single and pregnant and maybe they just found out or maybe they found out for a while now but you know it's still kind of hard for them to accept the fact that they are single and pregnant um the first thing i would tell them to do is just breathe like okay you know you're pregnant let that sink in you know don't try to you know make all of these quick decisions mm-hmm. you know so fast and in a hurry let it sink in let you know the fact that you're pregnant sink in whether you want to be pregnant or not just let it sink in give yourself some time you know to think about what you want to do or put things into place like make a plan you know don't be in a hurry to try to make such you know rash decisions because you don't want to end up regretting them later yes that's good um i really appreciate you taking out the time to talk to me tonight it's been very fun um i think a lot of moms will definitely benefit and i know this is something that you know we just don't talk about like oh you're pregnant and you're single you know like nobody really mm-hmm. talks about it so again, the thing is, it's not even just that they don't really talk about it. it's really kind of for most people frowned upon it, yeah mm-hmm. and they judge you Yes, and I know um, you you wrote another post, and I know I said I was done, but you wrote another post um, about maybe, I'm trying to remember what, maybe it was one of the ones when you were first pregnant. I think you mentioned that moms become single moms for various reasons, and you gave like this extensive list, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, if so many people could just come here and read this. You know, because like Mm -hmm. you say, like you said, you say single mom, they're automatically like, oh my gosh, you know, like it's the worst thing in the world. And it's not. Right. A lot of women think, oh, you're a single mom or even men think a woman is a single mom. Oh, because she made a poor decision and the man that she chose to procreate with. No, that's not the only way that a woman becomes a single mother. There are many different reasons that people don't look at, that they don't think about and that they don't ask questions about. They just assume, oh, you made a poor choice, and now you're a single mother. Yep, they do. And so hopefully, I mean, we can, like, really shed some light on this thing and, you know, teach people that it's not just um, about being in a poor situation or making bad decisions, that there are Mm -hmm. tons of other reasons why someone could be a single mom. Yep. But again, that is all... Can you tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you? Um, I am on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Moniqua Lachey. That's M-O-N-I-Q-U-A-L-A-S-H-A-E. And my website is com. Awesome. And y'all, y'all have to go check out her blog posts. Like, they are so good um, and detailed. I love that. I always love when people like really write, but they write with a lot of details. So go check it out. And I will link your site in the show notes so that they can just click on it and go there. Um, and also link your um, social media in the show notes as well. Okay. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Have a good night. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh my gosh, y'all. So this is probably one of the most realest podcasts. You probably did not expect us to 
talk about abortion, did you? Well, we talked about it. And I personally just hope that you learned a lot from this episode, whether it be not making decisions um, just because you made a mistake and you don't want to deal with the consequences or, you know, actually talking to your family or communicating with your partner um, like Moniqua did and allowing them some space, right? Because um, if you remember, she talks about him wanting her to have an abortion in the beginning, but then after three to four months, he came around. Not saying that everybody will come around, but just a lesson to let you know that sometimes you just have to allow them some space. So if you enjoyed this episode or you learned something, definitely let us know. We want to hear from you, okay? Drop us a comment, leave a review, rate the podcast, and share it. Share it with a family member or another mom friend. You can connect with me over on Instagram and Facebook at Single Black Motherhood. You can also check out the website at singleblackmotherhood.com. Thanks again for listening, guys. I hope to see you back next week. We will be continuing the pregnancy series talking about pregnancy after divorce. And this is going to be so good. And just to give you a little snippet, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about infertility. And I don't know if any of you have had that issue, um, especially if we're single moms, but um, it's something that we don't talk about much in the black community. So I look forward to you coming back next week.